KXNO. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Friday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Thank you for spending some of your morning with us as we talk football and basketball college variety here in the next couple of hours as we take you up until noon. On the BMW Des Moines guest list in about 25 minutes or thereabouts, Dylan Montz from the why do we refer Ames to Tribune. this? It's still the Ames it's Tribune, right? It's still the Ames right? Tribune, yes. Uh, Dylan Montz will slide on in here from the Ames Tribune. We'll do, well, we'll t- I don't know. Well, obviously, the Alex Gulch news uh, will be part of the conversation. TCU is the opponent on the hardwood tomorrow. Boy, it seems like a big spot for Iowa State. I hate Must to say win it. win on January. Well, it'll be yeah. January 4th. Conference game number one. It's not. It's But, boy, oh, boy, this is one. I mean, TCU is the worst team at least that was supposed to be the case mm-hmm. uh, in the Big 12 this year. And after they uh, uh, embarrassed themselves on New Year's Eve, it would be nice to start the conference play, uh, start it off right uh, with a win as they head to Fort Worth to take on TCU. So we'll do that with uh, Dylan Montz coming up at 1025, Tom Caker, 1045. Boy, it's a special trip for Iowa tomorrow, Trent. It really is. Um, you could tell reading the transcript and listening to some of the uh, the video uh, that some of our Hawkeye media uh, friends post on Twitter, uh, just how much this means to Fran McCaffrey going back to the to his neighborhood, quite Brain, frankly. Yeah. This is an important game for him. You can tell. Yeah. You really can, can't you? I mean, look, there's a whole bunch of them in conference play, mm-hmm. but this one is just, it just feels different. I mean, McCaffrey grew up there for God's sakes. He plays high school ball there. He went there as a kid. His parents used to take him there all the time uh, to see these games. Part of the Philadelphia basketball fabric. Uh, so that's a big spot tomorrow. One o'clock is the tip-off for that one. We'll talk to Tom Caker about that and other things. Ted Glover's going to join us. Our only NFL hit today. Uh, as the two other local, t- well, one team's not participating. What? Trent. They didn't make it? No, they didn't get in. The uh-huh. Bears still, uh, they're still going to leave them out. Uh, and the uh, Vikings will play New Orleans, so we'll talk to Ted Glover. Uh, we will catch up with Nick Athen next week, as well as Dave Sinekin, as the Packers and the Chiefs. Both will host games, but today Ted Glover. And then Bama Bob Trent and I will go around college football for one final time on a Friday. Kind of... Uh, gets through some of the leftovers. You know, one of the leftovers for me, did you see any of the Sun Bowl on, when was it, the 31st? New Year's Eve, I did not. You know what, uh, and the, the game itself, I'm not, I don't want to talk about the game, really. Florida State, Arizona State. Right. Uh, and it was, like, it was a decent football game. Herm was able to, uh, you know, pull it off uh, for Arizona State right at the end. It was, it was an entertaining game. But the setting, to me... You know, we talk about during the off season as we get closer to college football, one venue you want to get to, and mm-hmm. it's an underrated, I think, venue. When they show the shot from the air of the, you know, it seems like it's cut into I don't know what mountains they would be. Pardon me, my Canadian is showing. Uh, you got me too. Oh, good. I'm not alone on this, but it is a pretty cool, a pretty cool setting mm-hmm. uh, for Utah. To UTEP, rather, of all schools to play their that's they, that's where they play their home game, right? They do. Yep. Do you uh, do tell El Paso? Um, but it's a pretty cool venue. Looks cool. Yeah, um, I and mean, that's all I'm going by. Just by you know watching the game 
over the years. It's crazy that CBS, that's their only bowl. Right. I know that the, whatever the Wyoming, wherever they played in was on CBS Sportsnet. But um, they're still holding on to that Sun Bowl, which used to be a big, big game. It absolutely did. Go back to the 90s when Iowa beat Washington. Uh-huh. Remember at that time, the number 2 Pac-10 tw- Pac team at the time went to the Sun Bowl, and they beat the co-champion Washington Huskies one year. Hayden came back for another season in 97 and went awry. I've talked to people that have played in that bowl game, uh-huh. say it's an absolute dump. Is that El Paso? And, I've never been. Yeah, and said uh, when you go across the border, hold on to your hat. Yeah. It's a different world when you go over to Juarez. Mm, I, I think bet it's it Juarez, is. yeah. I bet it is. Yeah, it's the same way with uh, with Tucson. I've made the trip at 60 miles to Nogales. Okay. Um, and I haven't done it for a while. In fact, the last time I was there was just crazy. So my, my wife and I are at that conference in Tucson. I go to mm-hmm. most Decembers, right? And uh, she wanted to go down to Nogales for no idea why, but to placate her. Um, happy wife, happy life after yes. all. We went down there. So to get into Mexico, you know how you get into Mexico? Go through a gate. That's it. That's it. Nothing, right? And then I get through there, and I realize I'm in Mexico. And I have to go back through the United States Border Patrol Mm -hmm. to get back into the United States. Mr. Canadian. Precisely. I've got no ID with me. I've got my driver's license. Okay, okay. I don't have a passport. More importantly, I don't have my green card. Jeez. So we get in line, and I'm just cr- bricks. You, you are. I'm. A, yeah. You're a warrior in in your own right. Yeah, but the last thing I want to because I had to do some work at this conference I was at, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, how many days am I going to be tied up here before right. somebody can get my green card to me? That get across the border. So I got. We get to the border patrol guy. And my wife's in front. And we go as a, as a couple and. I told him I was born. Where, where are you from? United States of America. <laughs> and, I mean, I don't know what to say. <laughs> uh, where do you live? Blah, blah, blah. But they passed us through. And uh, anyway, it worked out. But boy, I was petrified. I can only imagine. Petrified. But anyways, um, I don't know how we got from there to there. But we did. Back to El Paso and the Sun Bowl. So we'll do those kind of things with Bama Bob coming up. Uh, and that was after 9-11, too. That was probably, oh, really? yeah, I couldn't say, I don't know, 10 years ago. But anyways, um, Bama Bob, and then we'll do Claxons, mm-hmm. and then we'll do our picks. We are picking, correct? Yeah, yeah. We uh, You got a five-pack? Are you going to do all NFL games? I'm going to do all bowl? NFL. I got a bowl game, too, that I like. Do so you? I'm, I'm going to get to a clean, crisp five. Which bowl game do you like? Monday's? Today's Monday's game. Monday's game. That's a it's a night game too, is it not? I think it is. It no, is a night game for sure. Like it is. That? Yes, it's six thirty. Uh, and don't ask me who's playing. Is that the Potato Bowl? No, the Potato Bowl. I believe is today. The, it is the Potato Bowl is today at two thirty. Armed Forces Bowl tomorrow. Then the Lending Tree Bowl. There it is with the Red Hawks. Yes, taking on the Raging Cajuns. All right, so you'll have an opinion on that game. I Mr. Will. Monday night, one more kick at that can before he Oof. puts it away for the year and it has not gone well. All right, so yesterday uh, we talked a little bit. I don't think we got to it on the air yesterday. Yeah, we did. We talked about the, you know, we're trying to figure out what we're going to watch. And, well, there's a couple of Big Ten games. Mm-hmm. And I didn't watch Michigan State-Illinois at all. I, I, I kind of fallen on Twitter. It looked like it was pretty one-sided. 
I was really into Minnesota Purdue. I like this Minnesota team. Yeah, I do. I like this. I like Patino. Guilty. Um, they got some dudes. This um, and, and a double overtime. I mean, what an entertaining basketball game. Carr was unbelievable. Although he kind of a little hero ball down the stretch mm-hmm. that prevented him. And how about that shot from the, uh, Stefanovic to tie the game? Yes, as the, as tick tick tick. I mean, hair on fire. Couple of offensive rebounds. Putbacks don't go. Get an opportunity, and the big kid Williams made a hell of a play he did. to find his teammate all by the, all by himself and swish. So my biggest takeaway: I watched like you pretty much all of this game. Purdue's not very good. Well, Harms had a hell of a game. I'm, I'm not sure I've ever seen him play that well. Well, he hit a three. He was doing everything, Trent. <laughs> he, now he missed a couple of threes, but he, he did. did hit one. Had that uh, put back, I uh-huh. think. Well, was that an overtime? I, I lose track after. No, a while. it was the, in the first overtime period. He did, and I was holding a seven and a half ticket with the Gophers. Oh, for you. oh boy, talk about sweating. That one, uh, you just that's Isn't the last overtime thing. The worst. You don't want to see it. It's the you, last thing, right? And uh, what it was up to? It got up to seven at one point uh-huh. there in that second overtime uh-huh. and. Gophers made a mini run there at the end. But regardless of that, my takeaway is I don't think Purdue's that good. I think that's a team that certainly mm-hmm. Iowa can finish above. Mm-hmm. I still think that's the case with Minnesota. Though the, I do, too. The Hawks have to go up to Williams. It's not going to be easy. More than likely, I think you put that one in the L column. There haven't been a ton of victories in the Barna recently for Iowa basketball. But still, I think these are two teams right now that yep. Iowa is better than. I do, too. And when you stack them up... Where's Iowa? Power rank them right now in the Big Ten. Ooh, okay. Uh, I like that. Seven, eight, nine. Uh, That's kind of the range that I'm thinking here. Ohio State, for sure. Maryland, Michigan State. Is that its own tier? Uh, yes. Where's Michigan? And throw, Just, want to throw Michigan in that? Mix I, too? I would. Yes. Okay. I, I still think I have to. So that's kind of that's mm-hmm. the top tier. That's a cut above everybody else. I completely agree with you with that. Force. And then who's on the next level? Penn State, Iowa. Uh, who am I? I don't want to put Wisconsin there. Yeah, probably Indiana. Um, that might be it. Illinois. I, you like Illinois? I do like Illinois. They got a lot of guys. They got a lot. They got a lot of pieces. They got bigs. They got guards. What about uh, what about Rutgers? Rutgers plays tonight. It's a good call. Yeah, they play uh, Nebraska tonight. I saw you can get in for two bucks for <laughs> Pinnacle Bank. <laughs> All right. Yeah, two bucks gets you in the door. Um, but they're look, there's not a lot going on. I think it's is it seven o'clock or eight o'clock tonight? Anyways, that's the lone Big Ten. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Speaking of Friday nights, no, there's two Big Ten games tonight. There are. What's the other one? Wisconsin, Ohio State. Really? Six o'clock. I, I, I somehow missed that. Is that a good start to the Friday? Yeah, that is a good start to the Friday. Yeah, it is a good start. I want to watch Ohio State. I don't think Wisconsin's worth a damn. I don't think so but either. But the next two Friday nights, mm-hmm. the Hawks, right? Yes, they uh, they get Maryland, Maryland at home. And then after that, is it Michigan? It's Michigan. Yeah. And here's the thing, and it's not up at KXNO.com yet, but we will have four tickets to give away from that game. Oh, really? We will. I'm not sure what game we're going to use as the... Remember we had tickets, Dr. Fuller, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Stephen Fuller, fullerdental.net. Uh, he's made it, he made it possible through the football season. I think we had three or four, four games. Um and we've got some basketball tickets to give away, including we'll have a four-pack to Michigan. So we'll get you that details. It's been turned in, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think it's been posted online because I asked for it to be posted starting on Monday. So okay. we'll have an opportunity. Uh, you'll have an opportunity to win four tickets. Am I eligible? No. We're going to give them away all at once. So somebody's going to win a four-pack. Oh, nice. Yeah, in case you got, you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to look around the dinner table. and well, You're the favorite. Come yeah, on, you're, you're coming. You're coming with me. Sorry, it's not your Butch. time. 
Yeah, Maybe you, next time, buddy. You didn't eat your vegetables. You're out. <laughs> and you're not leaving the table till you're finished. So four tickets to Iowa, Michigan. That's a good one. Friday that is night, a good one. Those Friday night 17th, games. 17th, right? 17th? Yes. Of, They've been attended very well. Oh, I love them, Trent. Yeah. I love them. I think the Big Ten's got something here. I know it's not pop, popular in the fall with football. Um, as we found out when the uh, Gophers and the Hawkeyes were scheduled for that Friday night. Now, selfishly, I love it. I know you don't. You'll be working. Mm -hmm. Uh, You'll have high school football that night, and I get the passion for high school football, but um, selfishly, okay. (laughs) It works for me. I mean, there's no way that Iowa and Iowa State will play on top of each other that particular weekend. Um, We're in good shape there. We we are in good shape So top tier, Iowa... In second tier. tier. Yeah, second at least tier. so far. Better than Penn State, same level. Uh, can we talk about this on Monday? Well, the, the, we'll know on Monday. Uh-huh. I like Penn State in this game, even with what you said. it's a tight said. number, right? Yeah, it'll be... Ken Palm has it as a one-point game. I'm mm-hmm. sure the point spread's going to be right in there. Penn State a slight favorite. It's mm-hmm. going to be basically a toss-up game there. Lamar Stevens is a pain in the you-know-what. Yes, he's, he's really, a really good player. And, and uh, my concern with the Hawks going into this game is just, of course, depth and what they have inside, and... You mentioned Stevens, but also Mike Watkins. Mm-hmm. That dude's a load mm-hmm. inside. And if Garza gets in foul trouble, Yeesh. where do you turn? Yeah. Yeah, look, Creeners had a nice uh, start to a season. Played well against Kennesaw State. Yeah. It's going to be a step up in competition. <laughs> right. A lot of guys play well against Kennesaw State. <laughs> um, except if Iowa State would have had him oh, on the schedule. Boy. Yeah, this is trend. This this is uh this this is one of those games. With, this is a good barometer. It is. It's it, a good barometer. And we've talked about this. The way the schedule sets up here, it is so important. I win this front half of the schedule now to get victories to start mm-hmm. piling up because of the way the late season schedule sets up. You have to find ways to get victories, including these toss up games. This is considered a toss up game. You know, less than three point kind of projected number. The Maryland game at home next Friday, I was favored by two at Ken Palm. The Michigan game, I was favored by three in that game. So of those three, um, I was more likely to win tomorrow at Penn State, Maryland, or Michigan? I say Michigan. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, Michigan's not the same team that we mm-hmm. saw in Atlantis, I don't think. No, I don't think they're the same team that I was saw in Ann Arbor back in early December. All right. I, they have mm-hmm. uh, come back to the pack here mm-hmm. a little bit. They have had some struggles offensively. Mm-hmm. They're just playing so well, as you said, at the battle for Atlantis and maybe evening out to what they actually are, which is a good team, a solid team, mm-hmm. but probably the fourth best team in the Big Ten. Ohio State, the best team in the Big Ten? I still think so. But you go back to uh, their last loss, and there's just... The point guard play against West Virginia was not very good. DJ Carton, West Virginia's better than a oh, lot of yeah. people thought that they were going to be. No doubt. DJ Carton, though, struggled. Freshman mm-hmm. point guard, the mm-hmm. Bettendorf kid. Yep. They uh, also have the Washington kid, Walker, that also... They, they have these different guys... The thing with Ohio State that concerns me in that upper echelon, like getting to a Final Four, winning a national championship, there's not many guys on that team that can just go get their own shot. And I think there's some limitations in them offensively that very well could crop up come March. It's a good team. It's a solid team. It's a really mm-hmm. talented team. They're more than Wesson. They are. They, but Wesson's not a guy that's going to go get his own. He mentioned the point guards. They're very young at this point. There's not guys on the wing that, hey, we need you to create. We need you to get to the rim. We need you to hit a shot with a hand in your face. I don't see that with this team. I'd still say Michigan State, Maryland are well, my top two. You well, know, Maryland was my pick preseason. I'm going to yeah. stick with them. And, and look, we all, not overreact, but Michigan State always has the month of November where you think, right. you know, you go into the season thinking that Izzo's got maybe one of his better teams, and then you see him early, and they get beat a couple of times, but it's that 
it's that test that they get. You know, they're going up against those blue bloods that makes them better uh, as the season goes on. So, yeah, I, I think those are the three. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I like Ohio State. I like Michigan State. I like Maryland, clearly. Like, I was way better than I thought they were going to be. They are. They're way better than I thought they were going to be. This, uh, this game tomorrow will be, um, like we said, a good barometer as to how good possibly they can be. All right, let's do the wild card games real quick tomorrow. All right. Uh, not just tomorrow, but over the weekend. Trent, it's, um, I know people are sick about it. It's kind of like talking about Alabama and Tua. I mean, we're, we're sick of it, right? But yeah. look at This is the one of the faces of college football and one of the marquee programs in college football. Likewise, New England and Tom Brady fill that role in the NFL. Trent, there's a lot of talk. A lot of talk that tomorrow is potentially Tom Brady's final game at Gillette Stadium. This I mean, we end. we said for years, if there's one guy that Belichick won't throw out a year before is probably should, it's got to be Tom Brady, right? Mm-hmm. Kraft will just not allow this. Tom Brady's his guy. These guys are all joined at the hip. The success they've had has come hand in hand and, well, another hand in the leader, in, in, in uh, the owner, rather, in Kraft. But I don't think there's any sacred cows in New England. I really don't. Feels that way. You know, I, I was uh, listening to an interview with Seth Wickerstan, yep. the ESPN writer yep. who is based there in New England, and he was talking about the trade of Jimmy Garoppolo and how that really rubbed Belichick the wrong way. And you talk about some of the internal strife that we've seen out of this well, organization. He wanted to keep Garoppolo? Big time. So he wanted. So if he would have kept Garoppolo, Brady would have already been jettisoned. More than likely, yes. Wow. That this already would have happened. He was upset about it. He was basically told, though, from Brady. It came from Brady that he didn't like this young guy. His heir apparent just waiting in the wings. Yeah. He didn't like the way that it was playing out. You got to keep Brady happy at that mm-hmm. time, and so they did. A lot of people across the league also believe that they could have got a lot more than a second rounder for him, like mm-hmm. they did with San Francisco. But he said, Belichick said, "The hell with it." I'm the GM. I can do what I want. Mm-hmm. I'll call somebody that I know. He called Kyle Shanahan because mm-hmm. of his connection with Mike and really always respected Mike Shanahan. Yep. Made that call, made the deal, and away they went there. But he Didn't got him out of the AFC. Something that still is kind of a thorn in the side of Belichick. Not happy how he's basically told, you need to trade Garoppolo. You know, there's 12 quarterbacks that will enter the playoffs. If we would have asked this question over the last decade, you know, who's, the, who's, the, uh, who's on top of that pecking order? Mm-hmm. I mean, the the answer was simple, right? It was. It's not that case anymore. Because statistically, even though there were guys that a lot of those seasons had better years, you're still saying... You still want Tom Brady's your guy. You got a playoff at... You got the sixth best offense, the sixth best defense, and you can have any quarterback to go along with it. Where would you rank Brady this year? Well, it's Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, Uh certainly in front of them, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Garoppolo? Mm, I'm not there. Okay. Um, Deshaun Watson? Aaron Rodgers? I'm not there with Wentz. No, I'm not there with Wentz either. I am with Rogers for sure. I am with Breeze. Breeze, Rogers, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I'll buy that. Um, Watson? Well, see, I'd rather have Garoppolo than Watson. I like to really? show Watson. I, I, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's impressed me this year. Hmm. We're on different pages there. And that's why I'm not a big 49ers guy going into this playoffs. You really aren't, huh? No, no. You think, that's the, you think that that's one of the weaknesses on the team? Well, not the weaknesses. I, I have to see it. Mm-hmm. I want to see they it. They can before. run it. They can protect them. They can throw it. They can. Their defensive front is outstanding. Richard Sherman, when he's healthy, and I think he is. Robbie Gould doesn't have the strength in his leg that he used to have, but he's still pretty damn accurate. One guy that we didn't even say that I would put way up there is Russell Wilson. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. In fact, I agree. if we're talking about just that. So is Brady 8? Probably. 
if we're talking about average, above average offense, above average defense, who do you want? It might be Russell Wilson for me, even over mm-hmm. Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and everything else, just because mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson... Well, he's won a Super Bowl, too. Yes, it, it is. Lamar Jackson, they have built that perfectly for him. And you're just talking about any average roster. I think that conversation changes a little bit. Russell Wilson is way up there for me. And- Trent, there's nobody that throws the deep ball more accurately in the league than Russell Wilson. He has for years, and he still continues to do so. He blows, And, and Drew Brees is a really accurate quarterback. Mm-hmm. And there's some other dudes there as well. But this Wilson is unbelievable. Um so is it over? It sure feels like. Now, I'm not sure it's over tomorrow. I mean, we're asking Ryan Tannehill to go and pick off Belichick and Brady. Look, Derrick Henry's been unbelievable. Yes, he has. A running game. And Tannehill has resurrected what looked to be a flailing career mm-hmm. uh, in, in Miami. He's been terrific there. The second overall pick, Mariota, has lost its gig. I mean, he's going to be getting his mail in a different city next year. I'm going to tell you how this is going to go. It's what's the number? Five and a half? Four and a half. It's down to four and a half? Trickling back down the and other And it's going way. to pour rain. Just, yes. That's just so you know. If you're betting this game, uh, the forecast in Foxborough tomorrow night, well, tomorrow and throughout the game, it's rain. Now, can, of course, it can change. 44 is the total in the game currently as we look at it here. Oof. This way it's going to go. New England's going to win this game, and I think win this game comfortably. Okay. Then it's going to be off to see, Kansas City. You guys were all wrong. Mm-mm. Why would you ever give up a New England? Then they're going to go to Kansas City and get throttled. Yeah, they're going to get it. curb stomped. I, I think, I think this is the way it. this is going to play out. All next week on ESPN, all you're going to hear. See, this is why we're smarter than you. We mm-hmm. didn't give up on Brady and Belichick and company. You guys are all wrong. And then reality's going to set. Yeah, in. I'm with you. Uh, Kansas City's got the best uh, by far. Which is that? Over the top to say by far the best chance of the three surviving locals. I mean, I give the Vikings no chance. So I guess what I'm asking you is, will Green Bay or Kansas City get further? I don't think the Vikings. We'll put them in the conversation because they made the playoffs. Um, who's got a better chance? Because they're going to see Kansas City's going to have to get through New England in all likelihood. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to have to beat Baltimore. In Baltimore. Green Bay's going to host New Orleans. And then if they win, they're going to have to go to San Francisco. That happened this year. It didn't go well. Who's got the better chance of the two? I think it's Kansas City, but I think it might be closer than you think on the surface. Going into Baltimore for an AFC championship game, there's something about that that if it plays out that way, becomes incredibly difficult. On the other side, though, going into San Francisco... I'm not sure they get past New Orleans. I don't think they do either, but if they do, if you're setting Mm -hmm. it up with the championship, the road championship game for both teams, I might even give Green Bay a better chance than I would... Kansas City. I don't know. It's it's weird how this all could play out. And the other thing is, if that top seed each division gets a uh, conference gets upset, home game. Who are you more confident with? Green Kansas Bay. City, Kansas City, or Green Bay? Ooh, both of them. Really, great home environment. Really great. Lambeau Field in the snow and the cold. By the way, next next week. Uh, the divisional round, the final of the four games on the weekend Sunday at five forty yes. Lambeau Field. Sign me up. Under the lights, in the cold. Oh, man, that's going to be some good visuals. All right, we'll take a timeout. Dylan Mont, Ames Tribune, joins the program next. Uh, Matt Campbell's uh, got some work to do on that staff as Alex Golich is moving on to UCF as the OC. Uh, we'll talk to Dylan Mont next. Tom Caker in about 25 minutes in the 11 o'clock hour. Ted uh, Glover on the Vikings in New Orleans. Bama Bob, Trent and I will dot I's, cross T's on the bowl season in college. 
college football, and then we'll give you an opportunity to win some barbecue before you hear our picks. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460, fullerdental.net. Condon, we got an Alexa for Christmas. My wife did. Yeah. Alexa must be getting sick of playing this song in our house because every time I walk by her, <laughs> she knows. Yeah, she knows. All right, let's get Dylan Monts in here. Ames Tribune. That song, of course, is Tumbling Dice by the Rolling Stones. Dylan Monts joins the program. Ames Tribune. Lots of ground to cover with you, Dylan Monts. Happy New Year. How are you, sir? Yeah, doing well, guys. Happy New Year. And uh, it always seems like. Um just when you think things are going to kind of shift gears or slow down, there's always something new that crops up. Absolutely, and thank God for it. It's great for business when it happens. Alex Golsh is what happened last night, and did it catch you off guard? Apparently there had been some buzz when the team was uh, in uh, the state of Florida, in Orlando, that maybe something was uh, taking place behind the scenes. Were there whispers of this, uh, Dylan, when the team and the media had assembled for the Camping World Bowl? Yeah, there... There's some buzz here and there, certainly. I noticed that kind of um, I, I can kind of track some social media um, followings and unfollowings and things like that, and there were some um, peculiar ones that made you kind of think, oh, is, is something going on here? And then to see the, the move last night of Alex Golish uh, reportedly going to UCF as the OC, um, it, it catches you a little bit off guard when it, when it just all of a sudden there it is. But um, there were, I think, uh, signs maybe that that there was going to be a move coming and um it is a promotion for him even if it's not a a power five school it is an offensive coordinator job which you can't fault him for no absolutely not so if if here's a big if i mean it's a hypothetical and we know that um it's it's not because manning did come back but had manning not come back was golish in line to take over the offensive coordinator job? I mean, did Campbell, was there any, at any time, do you think, did Campbell uh, envision promoting Golish to that spot on his staff? Do you know that, Alex? Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know if there was really uh, any talks necessarily of Alex Golish uh, being the offensive coordinator. I think um, in that year that Tom Manning was gone, they had kind of gone to Brian Gasser and Joel Gordon as kind of the it, they didn't have the coordinator titles, but right. they were kind of the co-leads uh, with the offense. And then Matt Campbell said um, kind of the, the buck stopped with him in, in terms of the offense, and he was the one making the call. So if if Manning would have not come back last year, maybe it would have been a, a Joel Gordon type that would have gotten it. But, um, you know, because Alex Golish had had the recruiting coordinator title mm-hmm. here, and I think uh, they liked him in that role, obviously. So I, I think they would have probably gone a different direction. But, um, you know, certainly uh, a, a nice move for him now, like I mentioned, to, to get this one. Dylan, with this opening in the staff, do you expect more changes happening here? Not in terms of guys leaving or anything like that, but the possibility shuffling chairs around, moving guys into different roles. And with that, Tom Manning stays on as the offensive coordinator, maybe bringing in a passing game coordinator. You look down at LSU and what uh, Brady mm-hmm. did down there. That's his job. He's not actually the offensive coordinator. He's the passing game coordinator, and he becomes assistant coach of the year. The Broyles Award goes to him. Could you see something like that happening with Iowa State? Yeah, I tweeted out a couple of different scenarios of what I could see. I think technically Joel Gordon, the quarterback's coach, is considered their passing game coordinator type. I mean, obviously Tom Manning is the lead on the offense and controls, I think, kind of the running game aspect. But I think Joel Gordon has kind of – 
one of the louder voices in terms of the passing game. Uh, one of the moves I could see maybe is Tom Manning becoming the tight ends coach. Uh, he's been the running backs coach this past year. Uh, in addition to his offensive coordinator responsibilities, maybe um, given his now history with with tight ends in the NFL, maybe he takes over that role. Maybe mm. um, you give Nate Shieldhouse the, the the, the uh, recruiting coordinator title. Mm. Maybe he goes and coaches running backs, and then you have to fill just the wide receiver spot. Maybe that comes from in house. Maybe you have to go outside to get it. But I think there's there's some ways to reconfigure the staff where um, the the impact is minimal, I guess. And not to say Alex Golish isn't a loss because I think he is, yep. but I think there are some things that you can do to, to kind of soften the blow a little bit just in-house. Uh, and, and Dylan, correct me if I'm wrong. Obviously, you're way closer to it than I am, but from where I sit, it seems like you got to do everything you can, in my opinion, to, to placate and to promote and to make Nate Shieldhouse very happy and comfortable uh, in Ames. Because to me... Uh, you know, we see these uh, in, in the days leading up to signing day in December, Campbell and Shieldhouse seemingly in every picture with these recruits, they, um, they, they gravitate with, uh, with to Shieldhouse, I think. I think they've got something there. I don't think that it's going to be long before, you know, Campbell's fielding phone calls to ask permission to, you know, to pluck this guy or to certainly to interview Nate Shieldhouse. I think he's a rising star in the industry. I don't think that's over the top. Can they make him happy? And is he one of the guys, the young guys on that staff, that they better make damn sure that they make him happy? Yeah, I, I think uh, he's toward the top of the list. And guys, you want to make happy. Uh, he's he, he's got a lot of things going for him. Obviously, he's really smart. First of all, he can build relationships really well with recruits. Former player, um, and, and not even that long ago, right. uh, when he was at Illinois. Um, spent some time on staff there a little bit in quality control roles and, and then made, made his way to Ames and I, I think has been, um, you know, the people were worried about them losing uh, Lou Ianni to Northwestern because he was such a good relationship builder and good with the guys and um, and really energetic. But I think Nate Shieldhouse has come in and, and stepped in nicely for them and obviously uh, hasn't missed a beat and even improved um, some areas uh, in recruiting. He's obviously really active in Kansas City, has gone down into Texas and, and um, uh, created some relationships there. So uh, I think, like I mentioned, maybe the recruiting coordinator title, if they did decide to go that way, would um, – would make him happy enough, at least mm-hmm. for now. Um, I, I think that's a, a move that has to be strongly considered. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's he's really good at what he does, and, and all the players uh, uh, certainly can relate to him, but also – uh, respect what he has to say in his voice uh, with within the locker room and within the position room. Al, uh, we learned after the game, Dylan Montz uh, joining us from the Ames Tribune, that Brock Purdy was banged up this year. Ankle injury and, well, apparently more banged up when they lost than when they won games, which was an interesting uh, takeaway from the pes- press conference after the game. But his ability, that ankle injury, how debilitating was that in your mind and the running and his ability to get outside the pocket, make some plays because at times he didn't seem like the same guy we saw during his freshman campaign running the football. Yeah, I think early on in the season, maybe it was by design that mm-hmm. he, he wasn't as much of a runner. And then we saw against TCU him have that uh, 100-yard game or, or whatever it was. But he said he really started to feel it um, or, or at least get banged up a little bit and when they uh, went over to West Virginia. Uh, and that was kind of the start of um, really kind of uh, maybe limiting what he can do. And, you know, Brees Hall's ascent, I guess, it, uh-huh. it takes away a little bit of maybe what Purdy's running ability was. But I don't think um, they really tried to, to put uh, Purdy in situations where he, he could go run just because um, he, he felt hampered. And, um, you know, they wanted to keep him in the pocket and fresh there because, obviously, 
we kind of we know Real Mitchell and, and maybe a glimpse of what he could do in, the, in a game like Louisiana Monroe, but um, Purdy's obviously so integral integral to what they do overall that um, you know his running ability is certainly an asset, but is it worth maybe what you lose if he's banged up and has to sit a couple games? So I think they had to weigh the, the pros and cons with that and um, and took away a little bit of his running ability. But now, um, you know, if he is healthy going into next year, which, you know, this sounded like a, a minor thing and it just needed time to kind of uh, recover, then I think uh, you could see that um, – re-enter uh, the game plan a little bit more next year. Have anybody, you guys seen the uh, television numbers that came out for the Camping World Bowl? We're starting to see a lot of these uh, ratings released and how many people watch some of the bowls. Have you have either of you seen the Because I have not. It, it was good. Was yeah, it? Yeah, I want to say I'm not surprised. in the 4 million range, something like that. I think the Cotton Bowl did outrate it, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I did see those numbers at some Penn point. Penn State, Memphis outbeat it. Isn't that something? I would have thought the other way. Well, interesting. Uh, Dylan, basketball for a couple of minutes with you before we let you go. Look, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that game one of a conference schedule is must win. And it's not must win, but it's an important step for Iowa State, I think, considering... Um, you know, just how bad the uh, the 31st of December, the last time we saw this team uh, losing to um, uh, Florida a and I mean, come on. You, you, the Rattlers were, what, 324, Trent, in Ken Palm, something around that they area? They were, yeah. Uh, here comes Big 12 play. It's on the road. It's, not, it's always tough to win on the road in the Big 12, but at the same time, uh, TCU's, by most people's opinion, in most people's opinion, uh, the team that's probably going to finish ninth or tenth. It's a winnable game. It's not a must-win, but boy, it sure feels like it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100. percent And uh, getting Tyrese Halliburton back is, certainly helps that. Uh, you know, you, you don't lose to Florida and m regardless of whether right. he plays or not. But I think obviously getting him back certainly gives the offense a lift, and he he has that ability to kind of connect um, both ends of the floor. He gives. It gives a lot of energy, certainly, but uh, I think it, you know, it, if, if anything else, it just sets a tone for, for the conference schedule. If you go out and, and play well, certainly if you get a win, it, it kind of uh, lifts spirits, spirits again. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think losing a game like that, just so close to when conference play starts, really puts a lot of pressure on them to go out early and, and, and make something happen because things in the Big 12 list. Uh, doing the double round robin, and then yep. obviously you have Kansas next week at home. You have Oklahoma at home next week. Um, things can tilt uh, negative pretty quick. So starting out on the right foot, even if it is on the road, um, you know you, you have to do it. Otherwise, it's it, it just puts you behind the eight ball that much further. Now Wednesdays, when as you mentioned uh, Kansas pays a visit, are the students back? They're not, are they? They're they're not. No, this, that's their last week of break. So that's. Um, that's I know when the schedule came out, people were um, pretty disappointed yeah. in that. Um, you know, it certainly gives people an opportunity to go get good tickets there, but um, it does change the environment when the students aren't there. Three weeks in a row in the middle of the week, Kansas at Baylor, home to Okie State, ESPN Plus. All three of them. All three of them. Forewarned. Not good. Dylan, great stuff. We'll talk to you uh, beginning of next week. Thank you, Dylan Mons. Appreciate it. Yep, thank you guys. Take good, care. Yeah, good to talk to you. Dillamont, Ames Tribune. Answer your question. TV numbers, I have them here in front Fire of me. Fire away. The Camping World Bowl, a 2.65 number, 4.17 million viewers. I wonder where that ranks as far as Iowa State, eyeballs on Iowa State football games in mm-hmm. the past. It's got to be up there. You know, what, what would Oklahoma State 
when they were, what were they, two or three in that Friday night, the championship game of, uh-huh. of uh, high school football? But it was uh, a Friday night. It was a Friday night, but it was a standalone game. That was Tessator, too, was it not? It I think was. it was. Joe Tess. Those numbers, though, usually are in the two. They're, they don't, they, uh, they don't. Yeah. But I'm wondering, because people would have had to, you know, Twitter and the buzz, and um, we got an upset to get to your TV. Uh, for comparison, the Cotton Bowl at the same time. Mm-hmm. Four point one million for the Camping World, six point two million Jeez. for the Cotton Bowl, and you're talking ABC versus ESPN on top right, of that. Right, right, crazy. It is talking Memphis versus Iowa State, mm-hmm. Penn State versus Notre Dame. I, I mean, Penn State's got a huge alumni. I get it, but Notre Dame, man. Uh, FS1, of course, for the Iowa game, two point five million. That up forty percent from last year's game. It though. was up forty percent. Up forty percent. The Camping World Bowl. How about this? Down 14%. Who played in it last That's year? A great question. So that would have been the 2018 Camping World Bowl. Syracuse, West Virginia. What? Maybe a better time slot? I have no idea. That's baffling. Absolutely baffling. Getting this from Syracuse, West Virginia beat Notre Dame, Iowa State. In TV ratings. That's uh, based on year now, there was more people in the building, right, for the for this year's game, but the the country didn't uh, didn't dig it. Huh? I guess not. It surprises me. There were forty one thousand people in attendance uh, twenty eighteen, forty six thousand this year. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. Tom Cakerd, uh, HawkeyeReport.com. We will look ahead to Penn State Iowa tomorrow with Tom Ted Glover on Minnesota New Orleans at eleven. Uh, college football conversation, barbecue giveaway, picks all before noon. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Hey. All right, welcome back. In Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you here until noon, let's get Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com in here, part of the Rivals Network. He joins the program. Tom, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Tom Caker? Doing terrific. Hope you guys are doing well in the new year. Absolutely. Off to a good start, no doubt about that, Tom. I'd love to see the Hawks get off to a good start tomorrow. Boy, I know you were at the press conference yesterday, uh, Fran McCaffrey's press conference, and saw a lot of the video and read the transcript. Tom, I get the sense you were there. He told me, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and he didn't want to come out. This is about the team, and this is about a win in the Big Ten, and I get that, and he said all the right things, but got to be pretty special for him. That was my takeaway, going back to, quite honestly, the gym that he grew up in in so many ways. This has got to be pretty special for Coach tomorrow. Yeah, I I, I think so. And, um, you know, I was talking to Connor a little bit about it, and, and he even admitted it's this, you know, he – He's like, you should listen to him sometime when he's just talking about Philly hoops and how he, he like has like this encyclopedia memory of just games from, you know, back in the seventies and eighties and just knows scores and uh, every player on every team. And he just, uh, you know, that's, that's what he grew up in. I, he's told the stories before about how his mom and dad brought him to games, how his dad work security there and would bring he and his brother to the games with him at the palestra. So, um, yeah, this is pretty special for him. And, uh, I, I think it's pretty cool that they're going to, uh, that, 
Coach Chambers uh, put this together and included Iowa in it. Um, just you know, I know Chambers has got a lot of Philly guys on the team, so that's part of it. But to include Fran in it too, I think is uh, just extra special. Pretty good relationship there with Fran and Chambers. Chambers, a guy that has uh, been able to build this thing up, and he's been close to breaking through a couple of times. Ultimately, hasn't been able to do it. He's got a good team in front of him here, but do you know where him and Fran tight? Yeah, I think they're they're friendly. Um, you know, I think there's always the competitiveness, but you know, they're both kind of Philly type guys that they grew up around Philly basketball. So um, from that respect, I think there there's a lot of mutual respect there uh, between both coaches. You know, Tom, I want to. Trent and I began the program talking about this. I'm not sure what you did last night. Uh, were you able to see any of Purdue, Minnesota? It was a really entertaining basketball game. We both kind of feel as we, you know, trying to at least going into conference play, trying to slot Iowa where we think they belong at this point. And, you know, there's clearly three or four teams up on that first tier. Uh, it, neither one of those teams that, uh, uh, that played last night in West Lafayette, Purdue looked good. I mean, Harms had one of his better games I've ever seen him play. Minnesota's got some dudes clearly um but but the, but both of those schools you know the Iowa shouldn't you, you don't look at the schedule well there's a loss oh they can't beat the boilers oh the gophers are, are head and shoulders above Iowa I think that uh, what we're going to see is a lot of sorting out and watching those teams two teams play last night they're clearly in Iowa's class don't you think oh yeah I mean Iowa's already beat Minnesota and uh, Absolutely. you know the that that was Game uh, two. you know that they're, they're just yeah they're the league is really interesting this year because I don't know that Michigan State is great yet I don't think Gizzo would tell you that they're great yet mm-hmm. um, they have the potential to be I think a, a really good team I think Ohio State same thing beyond that it's just a lot of I, I wouldn't say average but above average teams that any given night um, you know could could knock each other off, uh, you know, other than even Northwestern's gotten some decent wins, uh, you know, some head-scratching losses, but, you know, them, Rutgers, Nebraska, you know, they've got a, a couple of good wins in there along with some really head-scratching losses. Yeah. So I just think the league is, is I, I wouldn't say it's down, I just think it's, it's very equal uh, once you get beyond those top two. Where would you put Maryland? You didn't include them, and where where, where would you put them? Because I think yeah, that they're going to talent. Be, they got a lot of talent. Yeah, a lot of talent. Um, I would I I put them right in that uh, right below Ohio State, mm-hmm. Michigan State. Um, they're probably number three, uh, but they've been inconsistent too yeah. at times where you just don't know what they're gonna they're gonna give you. And uh, you know, at times they've looked really good, but. I, you know, sometimes their guys disappear. The Stick Smith, I mean, you know, there's times when he yeah. looks like a lottery pick, and then yeah. there's other times where he kind of just vanishes. Yeah, I thought he was going to leave after last year. I thought he had that kind of talent. I did, but you're right. There's yeah. He takes some nights off, no doubt about it. Hey, Tom, I want to get your thoughts on a guy that certainly has stepped forward in a big way the last couple of ways. That's Bakari Evelyn. Without him, they don't beat Cincinnati. Now, they didn't need him to beat Kennesaw State, but he's having to play a little bit of point guard, certainly a combo guard, hit open threes and play a little bit of defense. Are we seeing a guy that's finally kind of figuring out his role with this team, and what could he be as we get deep into Big Ten play? Important. Yeah, he's he's hugely important. And, you know, Fran even hinted at this, that, um, you know, kind of their 
their margin for error has is, is mm. disappeared at this point uh, in terms of, you know, losing another guy. So that's why Bakari becomes so important uh, at, at this point in the year. And he's just uh, it really surprised me because I kind of thought, you know, after the, the first 10 games or so that maybe he, w- he was just going to be kind of this bit player and uh, didn't really, you know, translate to moving up a level again and, uh, but he has answered the bell so far and knocked down shots, playing with a lot of confidence um, and and bringing them something that they really needed because Toussaint's been kind of a yo-yo at, at times with uh, being a freshman. He is, you know, the Cincinnati game was not a good moment for him, but he, mm-hmm. you know, responded, played pretty well, I thought, against Kennesaw. So um, I think this is a big game coming up for Toussaint too because uh, – Penn State's got some good guards, and, and they're going to need him to be on the floor and uh, playing good defense. Yeah, it's a tough spot tomorrow, no, no question about that. Tom, have they officially, uh, have there, has there been an official release on the um, on what they're going to do with Patrick McCaffrey? If there is, I missed it. I mean, we know he hasn't played, but they have, have they ruled him out for the rest of the year? Has is, is, is the university said anything? They have not. Um, Fran is just kind of basically hinted that he's going to redshirt this gotcha. year. Um, I, I, he hasn't come out and said it flat out, but I think that's uh, that's the direction that this has gone. Um, I, th- I think they might end up putting something out after the true midway point of the season, and then they'll just say, you know what, we're shutting him down for the rest of the year. So that's uh, that's the plan, I think. Tom Kicker, HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, let's jump over to football a week removed from the victory against USC, putting a nice bow on the 2019 season. A look forward now, if you will. Without the quarterback spot, we'll leave that one aside because it is the biggest offseason question. What else is going to be as we get ready for spring football and the like, the thing that you're going to be looking forward to finding out the most? Well, I think the the three most important decisions right now, the three most uh, (laughs) important recruits are, AJ Epinesa, Tristan Wirfs, and Geno Stone, uh, because all three are weighing the uh, option to declare for the NFL draft and move on with their football careers. And those are the three most important uh, things that uh, are going to happen in Iowa football in the next couple weeks. Um, and, you know, there's some rumblings that maybe Epinesa, you know, at least, I wouldn't say he's 50-50, but at least he's exploring the op- the option of maybe coming back. Uh, maybe his grade wasn't wasn't as high in the first round as perhaps he thought it was going to be. So I think worse, there's just no question. I mean, he's probably a, a top half of the draft guy uh, at offensive tackle, and you know Stone, if he wants to go, you know he's probably you know maybe a fourth, fifth round pick, uh, hopefully, and. If he decides to go, but Epinesa, if he came back, that would be a gigantic uh, plus for Iowa. I'm not saying that that's what he's going to do. I'm just saying maybe there's a, at least a little bit more of a glimmer of hope there. Says so most felt it was a foregone conclusion. So you're saying maybe thirty seventy thirty he stays seventy goes twenty eighty. Where are you? Yeah, yeah, I'd probably say maybe seventy thirty. Um, you know, at least it's something he's you know, seriously um, discussing mm. at this point. Well, certainly uh, Bears watching will know. When do you think, Tom, will will they, they, will they all, I'm assuming they'll all do it on different days, right? When do you expect that to happen? 
Yeah, I, I would guess maybe next week sometime uh, that, uh, you know, they start. I, I think that's when we'll start to see kind of more of a rush. You know, the guys that knew they were going did it right after their bowl games. And I, I think Iowa's guys tend to want to wait um, and talk to the coaches some more, get some more information if they can, and then make an informed decision. They they have until, what, the 17th. They have to file the paperwork on the 20th before they could kind of, you know, it goes official. So um, I, I think this next week we're probably going to see a pretty good rush of guys in college football making some announcements. So are you off to the Pluster now, hopping on a plane to Philly? Uh, no, no, not this weekend. I'm, I've had enough traveling. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. I've had enough traveling. I would love to go though, because I'd love to, to to be at the Palestra, just you know, as a basketball fan, just to be able to see that venue and watch a game there and and cover a game there. But uh, not not in the cards this year. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you, Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Take a time out. Eleven o'clock hour. We'll do some football. There's only one of the locals playing this weekend. It's the Vikings in in uh, New Orleans. Ted Glover, Daily Norseman, will join us to start off the hour. Bama Bob, Trent and I will go around college football. We'll give away some barbecue. Our picks before we get out of here at noon as well. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.